Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of The View from the Gladys Street podcast. I'm your host, Ian Kroll, for this Cardiff Reaction Plus Merseyside Derby preview show. I'm back in the starting lineup following on from last week's recording, hosted by Paul Wheelock. Joining me today, I'm back in first team contention after a few weeks off. We have Rob Astle. Hello, Rob. How you doing? Evening, mate. Good, thanks. You. It's been a mammoth couple of weeks for you, hasn't it? Do you want to just uh, tell everyone what, what what's happened? <laughs> yeah, I finally took the plunge and uh, got engaged. Oh well, congratulations. Yeah, so it's uh, well, as long as Everton being with Everton being good on this, it's been a big, been a good few weeks for me. And how did you uh, how did you pose the question? Oh, um, went to a concert and done a Jordan favourite song. Wow. So I didn't get on one knee, though. And she but, said yes. Yeah, she said yeah. Didn't get on one knee. Didn't want to get me, me, me best jeans dirty. Oh, well, that's the main thing, as long and as they say yeah. <laughs> so uh, plenty of planning for you over the next couple Definitely, of years. Yeah. Um, and we've also got View from the Gladys Street debutant and sat to my right is Gary Callahan. Hello, Gary. You're right, mate. Um, it was a hard work and win for Everton over the weekend over Cardiff City, but obviously attentions have quickly turned to the next game. It's Derby week, so taking all that into account, today's show will focus on Saturday's win, but we'll also turn our attentions to Sunday's 4.15 kickoff. Plenty of other topics on today's agenda, including Andre Gomez and what the future holds for him. We will also discuss and debate if Everton are really being ignored by certain national media outlets. Plus, we will read out some of your questions sent in to us on the Royal Blue Podcast group on Facebook, just a reminder to subscribers who are listening, you can join the group via invitation or you can just give us a request and we will approve you in the group. Uh, Rob, we'll start with you. Um, Cardiff performance, it, it wasn't pretty, was it? But, you know, it was effective and, and job done. Yeah, I think that's what you can say about it really. You know, uh, we got the three points in the end. They deserved three points as well. You know, I think give Cardiff a bit of credit. They were organised, they made life hard for us. Um but uh, perseverance paid off in the end. Um, and I think we showed a bit of a different side to Marco Silva as well on Saturday, um, the resilient side. Um, you know, in the last few minutes, Cardiff uh, put us under a fair bit of pressure and we dealt with it quite well. Um, it's nice to see um, we've, st- we've we've uh, got that resilience back after a couple of seasons without it. Um, like I said, yeah, it wasn't pretty. Um, there was a few players who didn't particularly perform to the best of their ability you know not really sure why that was whether it would be tired from the international break or whether they've uh, got another game in mind coming up in, uh, at the end of next week maybe um, but you know like I said job done and that's the main thing momentum keeps going I, I spoke to you before the kickoff, didn't I mm-hmm. um, before and then we we kind of suggested that this could be a game where Everton kind of run riots maybe a four yeah. or five nil we've kind of suggested that over the past couple of weeks that Everton have been threatening that that type of scoreline that didn't come that didn't happen um, and we, we were left not hanging on at the end but there was a few dodgy moments especially when Cardiff had set pieces so you know 
a one nil win is a one nil win. It's three points, but we do need to be killing teams off, don't we? In 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 those type of games, definitely. You know, I think the most dangerous scoreline any Everton fan will ever tell you that they've ever had is one nil. You know, some team, a lot of teams can see it out and feel quite comfortable. But for some bizarre reason, we don't. We just seem to nerves just seem to start uh, feeding around the ground. And I think in the last five minutes, they had a couple of corners, and you think to yourself. We're going to concede here, and it's going to be the most undeserved point they've ever got. Um, but like you said there before, we were due to we are due to run right on someone given how we've been playing. But what was uh, all we kind of were lacking was really was the killer instinct. We were in complete control of the game. You know what I mean? The Cardiff didn't really threaten that much. Into I think they had one shot on target overall. Mm. So you know, Pickford didn't really have a lot, really have a lot to do. It, but again, though it is, it's just killing teams off. But I think, given a couple of transfer windows when Marco Silva's got the players in that he actually really, really wants, you know, that scoreline could easily be three or four, and in a couple of seasons' time. Yeah, yes. But uh, but yeah, it's definitely. Um, but they are definitely due a route. Um, and let's hope it next game maybe with any luck. <laughs> uh, Gary, usually we ask. Uh, guests making the debut what they've made of Marco Marco Silva so far but usually it's kind of just it's just the same answer so what I'll ask you is following on from the Cardiff win we're up to six now um, realistically what can Marco Silva achieve with this squad this season I think a top six finish is probably the best we can hope for this season with it being his first season in charge like Rob just said he hasn't got all of his own players so far the ones he has signed have been really good like Gomez and Mina looked good so far. We kept two clean sheets with him in the team, but I think like the teams above us have already got a five or six point head start on us, like Arsenal and Man United. So I think trying to catch them now, well, maybe not Man United, but Tottenham, Chelsea, trying to catch them now will be a bit too much for us. So I think trying to get in the top six is probably the most realistic target we can hope for this so season. So at the moment, obviously, you know, the perceived big six, and we're not in that at the moment. Do you? Do you think Champions League is out? Is out? What do you think? I don't think I don't think that's realistic this season. I mean, if if we if we have a a brilliant season and, and carry on the way we're going, then maybe we could fight for the top four. But our results, our our performances against the so-called bigger teams have improved, but so far the results haven't. Maybe that's just a bit of bad luck. We played well against United. We played well against Chelsea. But I think given where we are and the head start their teams have already got on us, I don't think we can we can get into the top four. I know no. that's really negative, but... No, no. I, I think, you know, I think it's spot on. It's realistic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's going to run away and I say we're not going to win the league or... The past few seasons, I'd be happy with the top six finish. And we're playing good football and we're keeping clean sheets and we've got good players now. It's so. all a learning curve in it yeah. as well this season. I think that's... I think I've mentioned that a few times and... Like Gary said there, we've got to start beating these teams. We've got to start taking scalps if we want to be able to progress. And like you said, they've already got it, already got a head start on us. And you know we really need to start taking them, uh, taking results off them big teams yeah. rather than just getting points because mm. that does us no good. Well, <clears throat> effectively, or you know when you think about it, every, after every positive result, the our expectations change mm. all the time, don't they? So you know we've gone on from you know sleep defeats against Arsenal and United now we're on this with this run so has expectations changed in, in your mind from following on from Cardiff of what we can achieve I think I, I think we were saying again I saw you before the game on, on Saturday and I think I think I said to you the, it, you win you beat Cardiff 
and you're going into the derby and then you've got two home games, you, you, you know, you're either going to be in the top six or in touch with the top six. So it, I think the the goal's the same. Let's aim for that top seven, top six places and, and you know, maybe a decent cup run. But the more games go on, more confident you get. If we pull out nine points the next three games, you know, we could be breathing down. Who's fourth now? Is it Spurs? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Spurs or Chelsea could be breathing down there, Nick. You never know. And it, it, your expectation obviously comes with momentum. And if your momentum's great, then it, you think, you know what, let's go to the next step. I always remember that season when that Martinez had his first season. You know, we were like sixth or seventh, like leading into Christmas. And then all of a sudden, we were fourth mm. after a really, really, I think we had we won eight or nine on the bounce, didn't we? And then all of a sudden, it's like, I'm going to minute, no Champions League's possible here. So. Will we, will we get a clearer picture then by probably Christmas because we will have played everyone the likes of it yeah. or the, the, the teams above us, won't we? Yeah, yeah, I think when we played, like we've got a tough run of fixtures coming up now. I think after we see what results we get against the teams who were above us, we'll we'll be more certain of where we can finish. Well, we'll come on to the Merseyside derby, um, <laughs> obviously to all in a, in a couple of minutes, but I just want to talk about Andre Gomez. And for me... Um, he was man of the match against Cardiff. I just thought he was everywhere. He was he was all over the place, and he's making players around him look even better. Uh, one example for me is uh, Adrissa Garnagate, who I feel has probably been our player of the season so far. But he's making him he's making him look even better. Um, so it's been it's been touted the, the past day or two that Everton potentially might make a move for him in in January. Is that is that a realistic option? Do you think in terms of making that move? towards Barcelona and saying well we we would want him now yeah I think we could make like tentative inquiries um, but the better he plays the more Barcelona want are going to keep hold of him so mm. I think Brands and Silver have both said that it's not something we'll discuss till the end of the season but if we could strike a deal in January I would give Barcelona whatever they want for him because he's quality what, what are you thinking in terms of realist, realistic price tag you're probably looking about 40 million aren't you really mm. maybe more because like they, I know they paid a lot of money for him when they signed him, and you know we've paid a lot of money for Mina, we paid a lot of money for Dean, so you're going to be asking a fair amount. But I think he's worth it because he's improved our team. Knowing, like you've just said, I mean, Rob, he's only played a handful of games, hasn't he? So is it realistic? Like he's obviously in a a good good uh, run of form, but do we take the plunge and try and go for him in January? Just considering the fact that if we don't go for him in January and he plays out the loan deal and continues to play the way he's playing, one the price tag could go up because Barcelona is saying how well is he playing. And two, you know, rival teams are obviously not blind. They can see how well he's playing and his head could be turned, turned there. So do we need to do we need to make this a permanent uh, transfer th- sooner rather than later? I think there'll be things going on behind the scenes which we won't even know in January. It might not actually happen in January, but they, we might go to Barcelona and say, listen, you know, it's going really, really well. What would be the offer that you want? And then you start negotiating from there. But... I think, for me personally, I'd, I would I'd just what Gary said, give them what he wants. Is really believe it or not, his release clause is a hundred million, hundred million euros. No one's going to pay that. Yet he means was that we paid thirty two. You know, we surplus the requirements really at Barcelona. He's not getting in that team. Is he? Um, you know, he's, he's he's spoken about his mental health problems there as well. And I think he tweeted something after the game on Saturday. How happy he was here. And yeah, I think how, he's got quite a good relationship yeah. with Silver as well. So you know, I'm, 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 man, this lad, this lad he's only played around, you know, eight to ten games for us, maybe maybe a little bit less than that. He's not 100% fit. And look at him, he just glides around that, that midfield. Like, he, 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 
like he owns it and he's only are we, are we not getting carried away then he says he's only played that amount of games and we're but, already saying let's look, play but if but if he's not if he's not at 100 then i think we've got every right to be getting carried away on carried away with it and you can't you base you buy players based off how they're playing not so why not just go in for them now and get them and if you get him boxed off in january then you'll know what you, you've got him in the summer. Then you haven't got to, you haven't got to drag it out over the summer. Yeah. You know where he's gonna, you know, potentially miss a bit of preseason. Anything like that. Get it boxed off in January, and um, get your other targets in the summer. Then because he, he he'll be the linchpin within that midfield for years yeah. if he signs permanently. And I think if you look like against Chelsea, against Man United, I know United aren't having the best season, but he was our best player probably. In, well, he's been our best player in probably every game he's played. But against two really good teams, mm. he's been for me. He was the best player in our team, and they. That's against two really good sides. He's, he's not. He's not like showing how good he is against like you poor teams. You know yeah. what I mean? He's doing it against Top good teams. teams. So that can only be a good sign for me. What? What then? Do you make of the um, the 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 trio then that we've got now in terms of Sigurdsson and Guy and obviously Gomez? It's it's so important now because if, if one of them gets injured, obviously someone can come in and you know. You got the likes of Davis, Snyland, and maybe one or two others. You could fill that void, but they're not going to be anywhere near the you know the level that those three are at the moment, are they? No, I think keeping obviously for any team keeping your best players fit is is really important, and we can only see if one of them do get injured what would happen. But I think if we do want to challenge for top six, top four, like we said before, we've got to keep Sigurdsson, Garner, and and Gomez fit definitely. And I, m- I mentioned there Rob that you know Gomez has always <coughs> almost played. Garner even to a different level. Is that the same for Sigurdsson or was that already there, do you think, beforehand? Yeah, I think, uh, no, uh, yeah, you're right there because what Garner's able to do now is do the job he's told to do, which we've brought up, we've mentioned this before. He's allowed to just break up play, nick the ball away and pass it to pass it to Gomez. Gomez then dictates who he's going to pass it to, whether it be out wide or whether it's to Sigurdsson and Sigurdsson hasn't got to, hasn't got to get worried about who's going to give him the ball. He can't go missing in games because he's being fed the ball all the time and he's able to create create the chances to score and he's able to push it out again to the wide, to the wide players and stuff. So they all complement each other and they're bringing the best out of each other. And you're saying there about the players who who we've potentially, potentially come in, could come in if, um, if one of them's injured and whatnot. For me, if they want to, if they've got any ambition, they should be trying to match their levels if if there is an injury, so let's say for argument's sake, if if Garner gets injured, you've got James McCarthy there who should be ready to go, coming back, and we all know his qualities. You know what I mean? I'm sure he, if he puts his mind to it, he can be do the exact same job. Mm. You've got Tom Davis who potentially could play in the in the Sigurdsson role. He's only a young lad. I'm sure he's learning every day, watching these lads and training. Yeah. And then if if Sigurdsson goes drops out as well, you've got options and where you can push Bernard in the middle maybe and put someone else out wide. But it, it's not as I don't think it, the, the, the situation is as futile as it potentially could be because I think there's players in there who are probably going to be fighting for the future and you know just because we, the, one of your best players isn't you doesn't mean there's someone in there to uh, not come in and do a decent job they've got to prove that they're worthy of yeah. replacing the players that have been injured and that's only a good thing because like like Rob just said they've got to up the level they've got to be as good as if not better than those three that we've just mentioned and they're playing really, really well. So mm. And I think and I think given as well, I think you're in the team based on 
on merit under Silva. You know, you look at Yerimina, Yerimina coming. To be fair, it was unfair that Zuma had to get dropped, but technicalities obviously got in the way against Chelsea. And we were talking about this one again on the way up to the game. Mm. Who does he play? Mm. And it's you can't really change a team which has just kept a clean sheet. So keep it the same, and it'll probably stay the same on um, on Sunday as well. It won't be. I think you're in it, like unless you're performing really badly, then you know you, you, you're in. A, you're going to be in another team. So yeah, I think if you if you get in that team and you and you work hard and you prove yourself, you know if. Sigurdsson gets injured, for example, he might find it hard to come back in if someone comes in and does a better job. Mm. So, well, we'll we'll come on. As like I said, we'll come on to the derby and what you know, what we what we think Silver might um, tactics wise, what he might deploy and you know what system he might play. But I just, something that struck me there, which I thought about um, the past couple of days, Gary Rob mentioned um, Tom Davis and obviously having to come into the side. He started off, didn't he? And in Silver's team, and he was made captain. And you know, he was very young, so he, he did he did struggle, didn't he, on the, in the first couple of weeks? And so approved with the results that we were having, and now we've got you know a settled midfielder that has quality. But would would Tom Davis be better saved following in the footsteps or looking on from someone who used to play for Everton in in Leon Osman in the fact that? Leon Osman struggled, didn't he, when he first when in his Everton career and he was loaned out a couple of times and really he didn't like come into the, the fold until he was, you know, mid twenties and maybe a little bit earlier. But for me, I feel like Tom Davis could be a, in a similar similar fold as, as Leon Osman in terms of he's got very little pace, but like Leon Osman had a, a great touch, quite skillful on the ball. Do you think he could maybe follow in that footsteps? Do you think he'd be better looking at that type of player? Yeah, maybe, maybe he could and maybe when Silva does have a few transfer windows and brings a few more of his own players in, then we could look at maybe loaning him out and he could play more regular football and, and then maybe as he does get a little bit older and he, he'll become like a better player, like you said, with, like Osman did. But I think at the minute, we haven't got the squad depth, so to speak, to, to loan him out and, and then um, we're a bit short because mm. like we've got Schneiderlin, but you know I don't think anyone's Schneiderlin's biggest fan at the minute. Um, so yeah, maybe... In, in the future, loan him out, and and he might become better as he gets older. He might be, might be like Hosman and be a little, a little bit of a late bloomer. Mm. Um, so yeah, may, I think that that might could happen with with Tom Davies. Yeah. Um, Rob, following on from the one 0 win, we obviously we moved up to sixth, a solid sixth, mm-hmm. you know, and we've kind of disrupted the 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 big six, haven't we? Um, we don't exist anymore. Well, <laughs> this is the question. A, a lot of Everton fans, certainly on Twitter, have you know taken a bit of a. I don't know what the word distaste distaste yeah good yeah. word to use about certain media outlets ignoring Everton the fact that they're in the top six certainly when the table Premier League table's been on the telly and they've you know talked about sixth or fifth place Arsenal yeah. and then they've leapfrogged Everton and gone on to talk about United so are we have we got a bit of a argument over that or is it just you know what I think you know what I watched watched the Arsenal Bournemouth game yesterday right and about just Midway through the second half, they mentioned it. Someone put it on Twitter as well. But I remember listening to it live, thinking, "Come on, give us a break." They went, um, "They mentioned the top six and Everton." It's like, <laughs> hang on a minute, that doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. You can't just like say who the top your top six, your top six, whether it's Cardiff at the top or whether it's bloody um, City. You know yeah. what I mean? It's it, it your top six is your top six there, and then it doesn't it doesn't change based. Based on um, who's in it, who's in it. So does it does it bother you then? 
personally, it doesn't bother me. It never has done. I, I'm quite happy for Everton to go under the radar yeah, and exactly. just go about their business because as an Everton fan, and I'm probably sure you'll all agree, we cave under pressure. Yeah. And as soon as the media start getting, start getting wind of it, we go to pieces. I always, I always I'm reverting back to that season, that Martinez season, that run we went on to break into fourth, and um, we beat Arsenal, mm. and it was like, oh, we could get Champions League football here. You know, we're, we're on the we're on the verge of it. We're four games away. That's all, and we we don't need to. We just need to not 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 mess up. And the media got onto it as well. And look what happened. We don't do well under pressure. So let us just go under the radar. No one mentioned us. No one. But I'm, it doesn't bother me. But I understand why people get irked by it because you know you deserve credit for what you're achieving and you know it's it, to be completely dismissed because of who you are is mm. is wrong well is it because of who we are i think it genuinely is yeah mm. i think there's there's a genuine genuine bias at the minute we obviously don't bring as much money to the league in terms of like foreign fans as the likes of city liverpool united arsenal chelsea etc which is all right. It's not our fault, but give us credit for for what we're for what we're, for what we're achieving. And yeah, it, it, say it doesn't bother me, but I do understand why people do get um, do get wound up over it. Well, does it frustrate you, Gary? Because you know Rob, Rob's right in a way. It's it's nice to go under the radar, and but the, there's going to come a point where pressure does get on on top of you, and it's whether you sink or swim in that situation and there's been times especially in cup competitions where the pressure has been we've been there we've been on the verge and the pressure has got too much to us hasn't it and we just we've just folded yeah. so you know pressure comes and you, you have to deal with it don't you so you know uh, you know i think i think rob's right like and, and you're right in saying we do fold when when the spotlight comes on us and like we've we've got a history of of like the media like to build us up to knock us down do you know what i mean and we always give them their ammunition we always fail at the final level so I think personally it doesn't really bother me it's sort of like siege mentality it's us against the world really I, I don't really mind um, but we should be given credit for, for when we play well we should be given credit for you know breaking into the top six top four whatever it is that we're doing and, and I don't think we, we get enough credit and I think you're, you're right in saying that it's because of who we are we're not we're not fashionable and we're not you know one of the, the, the big clubs if you like and I don't think we get enough credit but Personally, it doesn't really bother me to be honest. It, hap- it happened. It happened to Leicester as well mm. when um, when they won the league. When they were first. <laughs> when when they, when they were first, and for the best part of, I think it was till just after Christmas. No one, everyone thought um, Chelsea. Oh, Chelsea, Tottenham, sorry, Tottenham, 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 sorry, yeah. we're going to catch them, and it was almost like the media were willing Tottenham yeah. to catch them, yeah, because they've they'd ups, they've obviously upset the you know the apple who, who, yeah who should be. Top at top of the league, and it was like, give them some credit, mm. give them, give them a break. And well, it the was, only way it was of, only once they won the league that everyone said, oh, they've done really well there because they couldn't change it. Then it happened. Well, you know what that's I mean? the, the only way of combating that really is by winning football yeah. matches and trophies, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Otherwise, they can't not talk about you then. Yeah. At yeah. the end of the day, yeah, it is comical though because I mean, I think I saw it on one, and it, it literally went fourth Chelsea or Tottenham, whoever it was. Then it said Arsenal were fifth. And then it literally leapfrogged us to talk about oh Man United they're in seventh. All you need to do is just say oh whatever and they're in sixth. After 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 the, the win against Cardiff right on Sky Sports News, I got home and I, I turned it on during the half time during the, the Tottenham Chelsea game. It wasn't the top six anymore; it's top five. 
Well, that was another thing as well. Wasn't genuinely, it? it was a top five. It's like we just it's we can't mention anybody else now. Mm. It's just it, it's pathetic, but let them. It, it doesn't bother me, but I do get why fans get whatever. And we like doing things the hard way, don't Ga- we? So yeah, and, Ga- and Gary just hit the nail on the head there. I think Everton fans love that siege mentality. Yeah, we love yeah. that. You know, it's it's used against us, and you know, we don't want anyone's help or like that along the way you know we, we want to do it ourselves and, yeah and, and you know what you know when the day when we do win a trophy and we do get back we get back up there you know what i mean just lock all the journals out just tell them they can't come in <laughs> the national ones yeah yeah you said we finished seventh <laughs> yeah <laughs> not the echo yeah. <laughs> um before we move on to the, the derby then just very quickly um shameless coleman has taken a little bit of criticism over the past couple of weeks but just rob from what you watched on on saturday did he seem like he was back to his, his uh, marauding forward best? Um, to be honest with you, Coleman past Saturday just gone the Chelsea game. I thought I've been I, I was um, impressed with his performance. He seems to have turned it around a bit, and against um, Brighton, um, yeah. So he's kind of got his form back. He got lucky again on Saturday. I thought looking back. Cardiff probably should have had a penalty, right? Um, but again, that's just rubber the green with you. But you know, with you, a bit of luck. We've had plenty of decisions go against us. Yeah. But you know, he's team captain now, um, and I think he's uh, yeah, he's he's answered the critics and he's starting to look a lot more solid again. And let's hope he. Uh, God, I can't remember last time Coleman played an Anfield derby. He always seems to get injured for them, or yeah. he's, uh, um, you know, let's hope he uh, on. On Sunday, he puts in another good performance. Well, he's come out, hasn't he, and said, obviously, the, the winless streak at Anfield is embarrassing. And obviously, it is embarrassing. So mm. it's it's nice to see, you know, players like that taking notice and coming out and openly, openly saying that. I mean, I wanted to talk about Bernard as well, but w- w- we will come on to him because the questions that the, some of the fans have submitted in the Facebook group um, t- point uh, touches on that. So w- what we'll do now is then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the derby then, Gary. Um Sunday at Anfield, how are the nerves? It's only Monday, man, yeah, man um, are already up there like. Yeah, same. Um, I never look forward to derbies and I'm not looking forward to this one either, but I don't know, maybe maybe this time will be different. Our performances have, have improved against the bigger sides. The results so far haven't, but hopefully the performance and the results will go together this time and we'll get something out of it. Well, obviously it's it's going to be, it's, it's probably an impossible question to, to answer, but what, we, what would you, you know, your emotions be if we... We played well, like we have done against Arsenal, like we have done against United, even United, where we probably should have got a draw because of refereeing decisions. But we came away again from Anfield with a, you know, a loss. And but we played very well, you know, to give a honest, good of ourselves. I'm kind of used to to playing well I'm and losing, to, to be honest. Yeah. But so uh, <laughs> I, I just I want a good performance. Um, the result, it's been that long now since we've won at Anfield. The result, we we to be it being truthful, we're probably not going to win. Mm. But if we can go there and hold our own and fight fire with fire and have a go, I'll be more than happy with that because we had so many years of going there and just back to the wall, didn't we? So I would rather go and lose 4-2 than, than go and lose 2-0 and just have a go at them. Well, Rob, why have we struggled then against Liverpool over these years? You look at likes of teams who, you know, some aren't even in the league anymore, but, you know, They've gone to Anfield and they've got results just here, like Palace, Wolves, Swansea, West Brom. Some have been in the cup, so they've all they've all got yeah. three points or results, and we haven't been able to do it for twenty years at Anfield. It's it's insane, isn't it? I think, I think with Everton, right, it's a mix of two things. One, our heads go; they always seem to go, and it feeds from the fans and it feeds into the players. The nerves get to them, and and 
you know, it, it is a bottle job most of the time, but that's the first thing. We can't seem to handle the pressure, whereas they seem to thrive on that kind of like big game, you know what I mean? It, it, and we don't do that. And then the second thing is we never have the right balance going there. Mm. We, we've either got, yeah, for, for example, last year we had Allardyce in two Anfield derbies, one in the cup, one in the league. And it's, you know, your classic Allardyce where it's back to the wall kind of thing. You know, you are there to defend. You're not there to like go out and attack. So you're inviting pressure on, and we again we cave, we create we cave under pressure, but then on the the flip side you had someone like Martinez go there, it was like oh yeah just go and attack them, and it, we got we got slaughtered, Backfired. we got absolutely slaughtered, and I think it's finding finding the balance, and I'm open if like if if Everton play like they did against Chelsea, play compact, play keep it tight, the front three can click a bit better. And they can stifle Liverpool a bit. Let them have the ball, but it's what we do off the ball that's key. And it's—I uh, don't, I don't know what you think, but for me, I mean, I'm not saying I want to go a gung ho Martinez approach, like where he just thinks you know that's that's the best approach. But Liverpool have statistically this season stopped the you know high intensity pressing as much as they used mm-hmm. to. And teams, if you get at them now they'll struggle that's in my opinion so I feel rather than being obviously you need to be organised and compact but actually having having a go and you know getting in getting in at them I don't know if that's the no, best approach definitely I think Rob Rob said that they're having the balance we, we've got I mean we've kept two clean sheets in a row now we've, we've got you know a decent decent defence this season mm-hmm. and we've got players up top who can close them down and, and the mobile and he can get about them and I think we, we've definitely got a better balance going into this derby and we've got a bit of momentum as well so I think yeah like I said before fight fire with fire press them high up the pitch try and put them under some pressure don't let them play their own game because but and then if they do just like get into the game we've got a defence that can actually deal with it now we've, we've got you know we're quite solid I know we can see the few chances but everyone can see chances but we're quite solid this time around and I think we've got a better chance going into this one than we have for a while, even though Liverpool are probably the second best team in the league this season. Mm. Um, Rob, taking away from the fact that it is, you know, our rivals and, um, you know, we haven't won there in years. Liverpool are second in the league and and currently unbeaten, are they? So it's it's not going to be a bed of roses. It's going to be, it's going to be a very tough game. It's going to be a horrible game. (laughs) I think that's the only way to describe it. It's going to be a horrible, horrible game because the slightest, you know, you know, you're nervous when they've got a goal kick. Because I like I said, yeah, look, I'm talking now like we like we always we are against them, we're terrified of them. Mm. It's just this like idea of losing against them is like the worst thing in the world and it is and it, it's horrible to lose derbies, but they seem to just have like that level they seem to have, like they up their game enough but they keep level headed. But we just seem to we just seem to go and we just go into it. Just with your normal game plan. There's no need to, like, you know. It's just another three points. I mean, it's not for us, but in the grand scheme of things, it, it's for the players. It should. It's just another three points. Obviously, we can't say that as fans, but like, like he's asked, like Rob just said, don't, don't go in there full of emotion and lose your head. It's, it's another game. But you look at the likes of, like I thought potentially when Carragher and Gerard retired that we would have more of a chance because they haven't got that local link. I mean, I know they've got a few local players um, still in that team who are up and coming now. But even when Carragher and Gerard left, we, we still 
still weren't able to like the passion's obviously there from them too because they're desperate to beat us but we we haven't been able to do anything even since they've retired have we but i think that goes back to what i've just mentioned there about it it's having the manager who finds the balance when carragher and gerard went we had roberto martinez who just couldn't defend to save his life so we get split wide open by you know you like to suarez etc and whereas now you know, we've seen a couple of sides to Marco Silva this year. You know, he, he can keep it compact like, like he did against Chelsea. He can he can frustrate teams. And the more you frustrate them, the worse they're going to play because they're expecting to go into that game and roll us over. Mm. They do every year. I've had a spoke to a couple of you know who have said 4-0. You know, yeah. It's just easy for them to it, roll off the, the tongue and just say that, isn't it? Because yeah. it probably will happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, the, the, the more you frustrate them, the worst they're gonna play, and they'll get, and they'll get. That's then our our chance to to strike, and you know, go there with our game plan, and you know, we'd be fine. Don't change anything just for this game. Don't treat it like it's a cup final. Just go into it like it's a normal normal game. Preparation doesn't change, mm. you know, and and yeah, we just need to just be normal about it. It's very unlikely that teams, you know, I know Arsenal did it one time, but go unbeaten throughout the whole season. So you've got City, you've got Liverpool, who currently unbeaten. Chelsea got beat last week for the first time in the league. So they got to, got to get beat once, haven't Sometime, they? Sometime, yeah. Do you know what Please I mean? be us. Please, Please be us. Yeah. Um, before we then move on to the fan questions then, just prediction then, just give us your, give us your depressing prediction, Gary. I think 3-1 um, to Liverpool. 3-1 to Liverpool. Yeah. Bloody hell. Wow, I can't. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> go on. I'll go reverse. I'll reverse that. Oh my god! I'm gonna go three-one Everton. Just nearly fell off my seat. I, I, you know what? I am. I'm gonna. I think we'll frustrate them, and I think we'll get them on the break. And I think it will be really, really tight up until the end, and then we'll we'll hit them and we'll finish the game off. Yeah. Yeah. And then he'll wake up. And then I'll yeah, wake yeah, up. I was yeah, I going to say, yeah. But you know what, funny, yeah, I've just said to you 3 1 there, right? But on the way to work this morning, I was driving, driving to work thinking about it. And in my head, I had 2 2. Like a really like, yeah. like tense game, but an exciting game as well. But I think it'd be goals. Yeah, goals. I do. Uh, yeah, but I think for, for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to be positive and go 3 1 win. I'll ask you again. On, I'll text you on Sunday. All right. Sunday morning and see how you're feeling then. What your uh, score oh, predictions are going to be. Probably, probably wouldn't have slept at all then. <laughs> I know. Um, all right then, so we'll move on what to you, the... What do you reckon? Oh, I was trying to get out of it then. I just didn't think you'd, uh, <laughs> didn't think you'd say it. I'm going to go... Do you know what? I'm, I'm going to go 2-1 towards, you know. I'm going to do it. I'm going to say we're going to win. And every time I say we win, we get beat, so... <laughs> Now, nah, 2-1, I think, 2-1. I think it'll be very, very close, tight. But I think it'll be an open game as well. Yeah. So let's hope it's uh, look either way, a win. Do you know what I mean? Um, all right, fan questions then. So these questions have been submitted uh, via the Royal Blue um, Facebook group. Um, anyone who subscribes to this podcast can uh, can join this group and uh, can interact with what we what we do on the group and uh, can also come on the podcast if they, uh, if they fancy it as well, if they live local to, to Liverpool. The View from the Gladys Street Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The View from the Gladys Street Podcast. I'll just I'll put it out to both of you. There's a couple of questions here. Um some some of it we, we've kind of covered, but it's all it's all a little bit different as well. So Matthew Barry is a uh, He's talking about Gomez and he's just said how important is it to the development and competitiveness that this team make Andre Gomez a permanent signing 
Well, we touched on that earlier. I think it's it's vital that we sign him. I think yeah. he's improved, like like Robert, he's improving the players around him, and he's proved he can handle the physical side of it. He's 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 just a quality player, and I was I was made up when we signed him, and I think we need to do everything we can to get him permanently because players like that don't come along every so often for us. Yeah, Rob, um, he's actually, Matthew here, he's actually said, it's the most important bit of business the club must do outside of the stadium project. That's what he said. What do you think of that? I think there's two important bits of business. A, a central midfielder in the shape of Andre Gomez. So, you know, we've never ever really replaced Arteta, have we? Um, and then, it's Andre Gomez and a striker. They're the two bits of business. If this team wants to wants to reach the the upper levels, you know, your top fours and win trophies. We need someone who's gonna get twenty five, thirty a season. Mm. Um I think that's massively key for us really. This is for a whole new podcast by the way, but I'll just I'll mention it there because you, you mentioned the striker, but Henry Onyakuru potentially yeah. could be um back or say back he could be coming back, yeah. back to the club if you know we can get his uh, work permit sorted out. Do you think he could make an impact um Without us even signing a striker, you would he save know. us millions? Yeah, you never know. You never know. What did we get him for? Something like seven million? Yeah, it wasn't, like yeah, wasn't, it wasn't expensive. Wasn't lot, yeah, yeah. You know, he seems to seems to score goals where, wherever he's been. Um, don't think he's had much luck with injuries as well, uh, which hasn't been great for him. But you know, when he has played, he's played well. So he's an unknown quantity, really. So you know, you never know. He, he could be. He could be the the, the missing link. Um, yeah. I think that's one for the whole new transfer podcast. But, I think, but, isn't but it? let's just remember though, this would be a Steve Walsh signing. Yeah, so it's, he, uh, he could be another Richard <laughs> could, Allison, he could a, be another Nias. So. Yeah, so you never know. To put it down on an end. <laughs> um, Gary, and I apologise if I ever pronounce any names uh, wrong, but Callum Lapsley and Stephen Kembury have, have asked the question um, who gets dropped on Saturday or Sunday, sorry, Bernard or Walkoff for Luckman, or do they both keep the keep the place? Personally, I would leave it as is. Like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, um, it's it's same side for me. Um, but if I was gonna drop either of them, I would drop Walcott. I, I don't think he's played well for six or seven weeks now. And Luckman coming on yesterday did really well. And I I wouldn't change it just because we're winning, we're keeping clean sheets, we've got momentum. But if I was gonna drop either of them, I'd probably drop Walcott. Rob, are we are we winning? In spite of uh, Theo Walcott, I don't want to sound like I'm being overly too critical on him there because I'm not. But you know, he had that chance, didn't he? And obviously, it it's burned out to to um, to Sigurdsson. So, did did Luchman not do enough for you in that second half performance to warrant? Because he, he for me he played very very well, and Walcott was probably. I mean, he was he was okay, wasn't he? Average, maybe. He had his usual, he had his usual chance. Yeah, I'm I missed. I missed. So. I think I said to you, didn't I, at half-time, that Luchman could play himself into the derby here and mm. with this performance. and Whether it's it was good enough is obviously down to Marco Silva. For you, was it good enough? Yeah, it was. I thought he came on and he was much more of a threat than Walcott was. What frustrated me about Walcott was, we've touched on this before, you know, it, it, it he loses the ball far, far too easily and then doesn't, do anything to try and win the ball back. That's the biggest, my biggest problem with Theo Walcott. He, he starts as like a little mini sulking and then, mm. and then carries on. But I wouldn't change the team though. And I just think... Stick me, to me, what is perceived me, to be a winning formula. Me re, no, not, not even winning formula. My reason behind that is I think Walcott, Walcott 
it's a big game this it's a huge game to throw Luckman in as a starter mm. and it could go one or two ways and I just think given the threat he's been off the bench I think this game particularly might just be I'd rather have someone with Walcott's experience yeah. in a big game I think if we start Luckman people will expect a lot of him because he's been put in like it yeah. might be the only change of pressure, made yeah. and then if he doesn't play well or you know Robertson has a good game against him or whatever it'll make him look worse because he's coming against you know like we've just said the second best team in the league I, I don't think I, th- I would leave it the same and like like Rob just said bring him on and see if he can make an impact later on in the game there's so, pros and cons to it isn't it yeah. like you say yeah. Walcott's obviously probably got slightly more pace than, than Luckman yeah. but Luckman's a bit and, more and tricky got, isn't he Walcott's got more experience as well like he's used to playing in big games and I think he'll just handle it a bit better and like Rob just said it could, it could go really wrong for Luckman if, if he plays the full 90 and he's the impact sub that yeah. obviously who's, he who's was on so well. Saturday. Like, yeah. If he does come on, you think you know he, he could do something. Here. He, especially you know as the game goes on, and if they, if they tire a bit, and he, he's, he's got bags of energy, and, he, and he, he'll run at people and have a go. So, okay, Callum, Stephen, there's your there's your answer to that one. Um, this is an interesting one. This this is from Carl, and again, I'm, I'm going to be terrible with this name, Carl Oscar Lieberg. I think it's something like that. Sorry, Carl. Um, so. Basically, obviously, Marco Silva picked Mina and Keane, didn't he? Um, his question here, he's kind of suggesting that did Zuma not get picked because he's the loan, the loan signing, whereas Mina and Keane are the, the permanent ones? Do you think, because Zuma's done nothing wrong other than the fact that he was a Chelsea player, so is that, is that, do you think that's got played a little bit of a part in it? You know what, maybe, because at the end of the day, I think Zuma, yeah, out of the two loan lads at the minute, uh, Gomez and Zuma I think we've got more chances on Gomez permanently yeah, mm. definitely. he's got a six year deal at Chelsea Zuma I think he is one for the future he's not He's not at the minute he's not getting in front of Aspilicueta um, or David Luiz and I think if Marco it must be a Marco Silva's man thinking Mina and Keane are my two main centre-halves. Yeah, yeah, I think but he's probably signed Zuma as the third-choice centre-half, hasn't he? But yeah. just with with Mina getting injured, Zuma's coming in. Obviously, he's done really well, but I think maybe him being on loan may have a burden on why he hasn't started again. Although, you know, Mina played really well. We kept a clean sheet. Yeah. He stayed in on merit, but it's good to have competition. It, it's good to have three players playing well. You know what I mean? We've struggled for centre-halves for a long time, and it's it's a good thing, but I think the quest, to answer the question, yeah, maybe him being on loan has got a burden on why he didn't start. Uh, all right, this question then leads quite nicely into the next one. Uh, Paul Hayes, uh, with the up and coming derby, will Marco play three at the back? Um, do you think that is the way to go against Liverpool, three at the back? No, I've, I have heard um, and I've read that maybe we were going to go with three at the back, but why change, like like Rob said, go into it as we always do? There's no point changing our formation for one game. We didn't change our formation against Chelsea or United or Arsenal, and they're all so called bigger clubs or better teams. So, no, I would leave it exactly the same. A regular guest on um, the View from the Gallery podcast, Mark Carotti, uh, texted him on, on on Sunday and he basically said it could be a disaster to change the shape. Oh, completely. You know, you, Marco Silva is, from Marco Silva's t- set up before a game to his subs in the middle of a game, hasn't really changed for the past like six or seven games. He seems to pull the wings off, uh, you know, from like 60, 70 minutes, freshen it up so there's more, you know, there's fresher legs down there. I can't see him doing the same thing. I can't see him bring, playing five at the back. He played five at the back in the last 10 minutes against Chelsea, but that was down to an injury to to, um, to Gilfie. Mm. But, and he might do the same thing again against Liverpool if like, you know, we've got a lead to protect or something like that. But 
he won't. I don't think it, it could be suicide doing that. He'll play. Mm-hmm. I there's, think there's no point changing the formation we played for the the whole season for for one game. Work on it for a week in training, and then go into a a, a derby game with that formation. I I just can't see it happening myself. Okay, there you go, Paul. Uh, just yes or no on this. Paul is also he's got, he's got two questions in, which I'll allow. He said, should uh, Sheng Tosin start up front? Yes or no? No. No. Bit of a left field see, one there. But. I can see why he's saying it though. Because I thought Richarlison got he wasn't he wasn't bullied by the Cardiff back four, but he was kind of like nullified a little bit. Yeah, and I think they're the big lad. Is it that Samba at the back? Oh yeah, he was good. I thought he was good. You know, he had a good game. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, he can't he kind of nullified Richarlison's threat. And at the end of the day, got they've got you know Virgil Van Dijk, you know the so-called best defender in the league. Mm. You know, I maybe just think maybe a bit more of an attacking presence. Mm. We're not going to get that many chances in the game, and like Tosin had a chance, didn't he? Towards the end of the game yesterday, and, and fluffed his lines. I think if a Charleston gets a chance, he will score it. Um, and yeah, I don't think I don't think there's any point in changing the team. And Tosin, I like Tosin, but he's not. He hasn't got much confidence at the minute. And going into a game like that. I think if we are going to get one or two chances, I'd rather have Richarlison on the end of it than Tosin. That team, the way it's it's set up, is is perfect for Richarlison at the moment, isn't it? It, it plays to his strengths yeah. rather than, you know, I mean, why uh, Tosin did so well under Allardyce last season is because we it was the type of football yeah. that we were playing. And unfortunately, you know, whether that's going to affect uh, Tosin's long-term future, we don't know. Um, so yeah, there's your answer for that. This one, um, another left field one. So we'll just keep it as a, a yes or no. Is it what you think? Adam Sutton has said, who, if any, do you believe has a future um, at Everton out of John Joe Kenny, Tom Davis, Kieran Dahl and Dominic Carver-Lewin? So, Gary, yes or no, John Joe Kenny, future at Everton? No. No? Uh, Tom Davis? Yes. Kieran Dahl? No. No. Dominic Carver-Lewin? For me, no, but I think he will. He'll, he'll stay at the club under silver. But I don't personally think he's very good player. But. Okay. Rob, same again. John Joe Kenny, Tom Davis, Kieran Dahl, Dominic Carver-Lewin, yes or no? I'll make it all easy. Yeah, all yeah. For all future Everton? Yeah. Future, yeah. Nice. At the end of the day, John Joe Kenny is 20 and he's obviously got an understudy. Uh, he's Seamus Coleman's understudy. It's going to take him time to break properly into the team. I personally didn't think John Joe Kenny should have been dropped when Coleman came back because I thought he'd start to play him well. Tom Davis, he's picked him as captain, you know, earlier on in the season. I think he has got a future. I think he's he's going to utilise him well. Carvert Lewin has got the makings. He's got he's got the makings of a good of a good old fashioned number nine. Mm. Um, might just need to let you work on his his strength. Caden Dahl is probably the although I do think he's got a future. He's probably the one who I'm least confident about. But again, he's got the perfect uh, role model there in Gilfie Sigurdsson to try and to try and you know, to learn off and whatnot. So these lads are only young, give them a chance. And I think, you know, if Marco Silva can get the best out of them, then then great. Okay. Um, there's your answer, Adam. And I've saved the best question till last. Matt Cunningham has asked, how will you celebrate our overdue win in the Merseyside derby? <sighs> I forgot what, it like, what it's like to celebrate the derby win. <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh well, seeing, seeing as Rob got engaged recently, I'll ask my girlfriend to marry me if he wins. <laughs> wow, that, that, are you gonna? We're gonna hold you to that, you know. That, you know well, I don't think you want to live for yourself. <laughs> does she listen to this podcast? Because if she does, she then be, yeah. you're screwed if you don't. If we, if we win, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that was a, a really nice question to finish on. So, um, 
yeah, I appreciate that's been a very enjoyable uh, chat, guys. And uh, to our viewers, uh, to our listeners, sorry, to our subscribers, thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To my guests, Rob and Gary, uh, just a quick reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. You can do that via the iTunes or Acast app. All you need to do is search Royal Blue, and hopefully next week we will be celebrating. Um, uh, win at Anfield and Gary will be engaged please God there you go thanks very much you've been listening to the view from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo